previously advertised Johan is going to come and speak to us in a moment. Um, but before we do, um, uh, Tim's going to come and read uh, some verses from uh, John chapter 7 to us. And uh, so if you have a Bible and you want to turn to John chapter 7, and uh, I believe he's reading uh, verses uh, 37, 8, and 9 off the top of my head. Thank you. Do you want to come and read? Thanks. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Mm. Wonderful. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Holy Spirit, come upon us just like the rain falling outside. Fill us, refresh us. Draw us near, open our eyes, fill our minds, quench our thirst. Amen. If anyone thirsts, we all know what it means to thirst. It's a shared experience. And it was the same for the people in Jerusalem. They knew what it was like to be thirsty, perhaps after a day in the field, or after a day in the workshop, or a few hours in the marketplace, or having spent the day out during the festival of tabernacles. Thirst, or the lack of access to water, can easily lead to conflict. Whoever controls the water controls life. Without it, it's impossible to live. Without it, it's impossible to thrive. And no doubt, the people in Jerusalem, they were thirsty for more than water. Many were probably thirsty for freedom, from freedom from oppression of the Romans, some were probably thirsty for justice. Uh, countless believers, Christians, brothers and sisters all across the world know persecution and war. They know what it's like to be thirsty for justice and for freedom. Some of the people in Jerusalem were probably thirsty for righteousness and holiness in their own lives, in their families, in their communities in society, you probably know what it's like to be thirsty for more than water. And I'm not talking about coffee. If anyone thirsts, it's not a coincidence that Jesus says these words on the last day of the Festival of Tabernacles. Each day of the feast, the priests would go to the pool of Siloam, they would draw water, bring it to the temple, pour it on the altar, 
and recite Isaiah 12, 3. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. The crowd were seeking God's blessing. They were anticipating the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. And they were probably praying for rain as well. They knew that they needed rain for the harvest. They needed rain for their cattle. They needed rain for their lives to survive. They needed water. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Jesus' words are loaded with significance. While the people at the festival were praying for rain and longing for the Spirit, he says, come to me and I will give you water. I will give you water for your hearts, water that is different, water that truly satisfies. In Nazareth, Jesus went to the synagogue, he unrolled the scroll, and he read from the prophet Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This promise at the feast is a promise of something more. The Holy Spirit will not be upon Jesus only. The Holy Spirit will not be upon the 12 apostles. The Holy Spirit will be in each and every believer. Giving new life, sanctifying the heart, satisfying the soul. I want you to know that you are invited, that this is a promise for you. If you do not believe in Jesus, this is an invitation for you. Jesus says, if anyone thirsts, if anyone thirsts, there's only one condition, there's only one if, if anyone thirsts. He doesn't say, if you are very thirsty, you're welcome. He doesn't say, if you are thirsty and you're welcome. He says, if anyone thirsts. He could have been more specific. Instead, he invites everyone. And the object of our thirst may be different. The thing that we're longing for, the thing that we're thirsting for may be different, but the experience is shared. We're all thirsty. That, that's just the reality. That's the human experience. For all of us, the question is not so much, am I thirsty? And, or am I going to drink something? The question is, what am I going to drink? And which source am I going to drink from? And all too often, we try to satisfy our thirst drinking something that usually just makes us thirstier. It may satisfy us for a little while, but soon we are thirsty again. You could go to the well of wealth 
or the well of power or the well of relationships, however wonderful relationships are. But if you drink of that water as if it's going to satisfy you and complete you and sustain you, you will be disappointed. Jesus is offering another kind of water. He is offering the Holy Spirit. As John adds the comment, now, this is said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. And they were to receive it after Jesus had been glorified. And he has been glorified. And the Spirit has been given. The Spirit is available. And I wonder if this promise, these words, if anyone thirsts, come and drink, were at the back of Paul's mind when he said to the Ephesian believers, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Do not be drunk with wine. Don't go to those other sources, but be filled with the Spirit. Drink the drink that satisfies. Now, there's much we could say about the Holy Spirit, but I would just cover three things that we can draw out from this passage and a very similar passage in John chapter 4. The Spirit gives new life, the Spirit sanctifies, and the Spirit satisfies. The Spirit gives new life, the Spirit sanctifies, and the Spirit satisfies. The feast in Jerusalem was not the first time Jesus spoke words about living water. Outside the Samaritan village, in the middle of the day, in the scorching heat, he had a conversation with a woman. Sitting at the well, having a theological conversation, he tells her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Everyone who drinks of this water will be, th will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me that water or give me this water, so that I will not be thirsty or have to come to draw water here. Jesus did not need to convince her that she needed water. She knew what it was like to be thirsty, and we don't know a whole lot about her story, but we know enough to know that her life had not been easy. She's coming to the well in the middle of the day when no one else is there drawing water. She was probably on the outside of village life in some way. We know that just from, from that. But Jesus also mentions five husbands and a man that she's currently living with. 
Um, her life had probably not been easy. She does not need convincing. Sir, give me this water. Give me this water. She knows that she needs this living water, this living water that, that wells up to eternal life. And she gets a taste. But as we read in John chapter 7, she, she's not receiving the Holy Spirit because Jesus has not been glorified. But yet she meets with Jesus. She hears about this. She, she gets a taste of what he has to offer. And then she tells everyone about it. And the whole village is turned upside down. This is, a, this is a remarkable story of transformation, not just of her life, but the life of her entire village. But it's also our story. Because if you believe in Jesus, as the scriptures say, you have been saved. As Paul says in Titus, according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. The invitation is, come and drink of the Spirit that gives new life. Come and drink of the Spirit that gives new life. The Spirit also sanctifies Jesus said, whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And this is a remarkable word. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Do you remember what Jesus taught the disciples about the heart? What comes out of the heart? For from within, out of the heart of man, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. We could probably add to that list, but all of these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Out of his heart will flow streams, rivers of living water. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. The contrast is hard to miss when you put them right next to each other. And when we come to Jesus, when we drink deeply of the Holy Spirit, our hearts are changed. They are purified. If you drink from the wrong source, your heart will produce sewage it, it will not be living, clean, refreshing water. But if you drink the water of the Holy Spirit, your heart will be, sometimes gradually, but it will be transformed. It will be purified. As God promised through Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. The Holy Spirit makes our hearts holy. The Holy Spirit makes our hearts new. 
and we become a source of life. And our hearts overflow with love, joy, peace. There's no room for evil things. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Come and drink of the Spirit that sanctifies. The Spirit also satisfies. I was going to say that this is perhaps uh, one of the things I have experienced very tangibly, but the truth is that I have experienced all of these things very tangibly. But a few years ago, I began to feel rather dissatisfied with where my Christian life was going. It seemed to me that I was stagnating spiritually, or like I was treading water. I wasn't getting anywhere. I wasn't moving forward. And when I first, it seemed like a big contrast to me. When I first became a Christian, I felt like I was passionate. I loved Jesus. I wanted to follow him. I wanted to give him everything I had. I, I loved being in his presence, etc., etc. And now life just seemed rather dull. And my spiritual experience seemed rather dull. And so I decided to set aside some time to just be in God's presence, seek Him. And then something happened. Not the first time, but soon after I started. It was almost like you know, these, uh, if someone just pours a bucket of water over you. It was almost like that. Um, maybe they even added some ice to the water. Um, but it was much more refreshing. than The ice wouldn't be very refreshing. Uh, you know, I, I was drenched in a sense of God's love. It was as if God said... You think you know my love, but let me show you what my love is really like. And it, it was a bit like an experience I read about uh, uh, that's recorded by the Welsh revivalist, Howell Harris, who said, being in secret prayer I felt my heart melting within me like wax before the fire with love to God my Savior. I felt not only love and peace, but longing to be dissolved and be with Christ. Then was a cry in my inmost soul which I was totally unacquainted with before. Abba, Father. I could not help calling God my father. I knew I was his child and that he loved me and heard me. My soul being filled and satiated, I cried, It is enough. 
I am satisfied. Uh, like Harris, I learned that God loved me. Perhaps it would be more appropriate to say that I relearned that he loved me or that I gained a greater understanding of his love and what it means to be a child of God. And I was totally unprepared for it. I thought I knew a thing or two about God's love and what it means to be a child of God. But I was simply undone. Uh, and it, it wasn't just like as if I, you know, I, I went into my cubby I, or, you know, I, I sat in my prayer chair and, you know, had a good time. It, I, I remember very vividly just going out for a walk and I was thinking about completely other things and it was like the Holy Spirit ambushed me and said, do you want to know my love? And I just thought, well, wait, what's just happened? Um, uh, God is very good. The Spirit is very good. Um, but also, so the most important thing was that I learned that God satisfies, that the Holy Spirit satisfies. But I also learned that I needed to come and drink regularly. That while I had received the Holy Spirit and I had the Holy Spirit living in me, I needed to drink of the Holy Spirit regularly and make it into a habit, make it into a spiritual discipline, if you will. The Holy Spirit satisfies. Come and drink of the Holy Spirit who satisfies. If you are thirsty, come to Jesus and drink. I want you to drink. But more importantly, Jesus wants you to drink. He wants you to come to him and drink from the well of the Holy Spirit because he wants you to have new life. He wants you to be sanctified. He wants you to be satisfied. And no doubt, he wants you to come to the Holy Spirit also because the Holy Spirit is a spirit of power, because the Holy Spirit is a spirit who gives gifts but we don't have time to cover all that you can get and all that the Spirit gives when you come to him and drink. Uh, one sermon is too short. He wants you to be filled with life, overflowing life. Overflowing with love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you want to be filled with the fruits of the Spirit, come and drink of the Holy Spirit. And those fruits will come. So this is the invitation. Are you drinking deeply tonight? Will you drink this week?
Will this be a year when you drink deeply of the Holy Spirit? Jesus' invitation echoes from Jerusalem to Cambridge, from the first century to the 21st century. This is an invitation for all of us, every single person. If you do not know Jesus and you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, this is an invitation for you. If you know him, but you do not drink regularly, this is an invitation to come again and drink. If you drink daily, this is an invitation to continue to do it. Drink until you say, it is enough. I am satisfied. Drink until you must tell the Holy Spirit to stop because you are bursting at the seams. I'm serious. Drink until you say, Lord, stay your hand, as D.L. Moody said. Or, it is enough, Lord. I can't take it anymore, as Charles Finney said. Or, we could go out throughout church history, and no doubt there are many accounts that are not recorded. People who've drunk deeply and said, and would say, I came, I drank, and I have life to the full in my Savior. It seemed, uh, I spoke with Matthew earlier, and uh, earlier today, and I said, it seems wrong somehow to preach this um, and not have an opportunity to pray for one another, not have an opportunity to seek God um, for the Holy Spirit. I think, um, I'm not sure exactly what's the best format to do this. Um, I think it might be helpful if we, we, we get on our feet and um, I think uh, uh, let me just, I'll just Ask the Holy Spirit, um, and then we can, if you, if you want uh, some prayer, you are hungry, you're thirsty for more of the Spirit, uh, to drink of Him, and you want someone to pray with you, you can grab someone where you're standing, or you can come to the front, and I'm sure there will be those of us here who will pray with you. Um, but let me just pray. Holy Spirit, we want to drink deeply from you this year. You give us life. You change our hearts. 
you satisfy. And you do so much more. We pray, come now, Holy Spirit, and work among us. Work among us, Holy Spirit. Amen.